Didn't watch it, mate. What a plastic. What a plastic. I I I cannot believe it. It's, it's Hi everyone. Like, like half the time I joke about it that you're a plastic, but this time I'm actually serious. Like, yeah, you yep. experienced a very minor inconvenience that uh, you know what? Yeah, I'm gonna skip this one. Hi everyone. This is an unconventional opening. Uh, to in the shadow of Vesuvier. Now the the episode proper will begin soon. But we've we've had a bit of a week, haven't we, Michele? When when yeah. did I last see you? You saw me on Tuesday, two days ago. And we no, recorded three days ago. Three days. Three days ago. Yeah. Uh, I may be a plastic, but I can count. So the um we recorded a, a really good episode, didn't we? It was beautiful. We're talking all about the the last minute winner, and and the game. And the software that we use went a bit wrong, and we only just got the audio today. So what what's happened in the meantime between Tuesday and now, McKinley? Uh, nothing much. We just we just discovered the best player in the history of the sport. And fortunately, that player plays for Napoli. You wouldn't know because you didn't watch it. So you missed the second coming of Jesus in the shape and form of Alessio Zerbini. The Zerbinator. Alessio Zerbino. Uh, and. Okay. My mother has come to stay for five days. She's never been to this flat. She literally arrived just before the game started. And so I prioritized my family over my club. Don't shake your head. We can't all come from Naples and have Christmas where everyone's in talking about Napoli and you can go, well, do you prefer Salvatore Ironica or Volta Galgana? You know, not everyone can come from a family like that, Michele. That's still this is not an excuse. Like, you, yeah, your mom came, you didn't find an easy way to watch the game and said, oh, yeah, okay, never mind. I'm going to skip this minor game. Yeah, that's that's disgusting. You should have forced your mom to watch the game with you, and she would be. That would be so much fun because a hundred percent of the, like I assume this would have been your mom's first game, right? Well, or not? my mom would... actually, she helped get me into football. So my mom actually, during the nineteen ninety World Cup, watched the whole thing with me, yeah. and so you're right. She probably would have enjoyed it. I just, I don't I'm know. Just... just I find it funny to think that this, like your mom. Would have left with the assumption that Zerbin is the best player Napoli has ever had. <laughs> like, yeah, 100% of the games his mom had seen have a Zerbin brace, which, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be a very common occurrence, in my opinion. Miguel, you're you're exaggerating. He's the second best player to play for Napoli. I mean, come on. Who's who's the first? I have a few candidates, but who's for you? The best player to ever play for Napoli. Yes. I mean, he's from Argentina. Ah, okay. I was thinking about Erwin Offer. Okay, never mind. Or, or um, or there's uh, Dennis. What was he called? Dennis. Dennis. Yeah. Den- but Dennis was actually decent. Erwin Offer. He- Do you remember Erwin Offer? Yeah. Where is he from? Germany. Was he German? Er- Erwin Offer. I think it was. He was Austrian. I mean, he is Austrian. He's still alive. <laughs> and I think he came from a, from a season. Like before joining us, he scored like 30 goals in the Austrian league. And he came to us. You know, it, it was a very weird time. You know, we signed a very, like, a very weird players, a big amount of weird players, like 
Chavez. Chavez was very famous. It's like infamous Chavez. Very famous for his uh, tunnel to Lucho. How do you say it in English? I don't even know. Nutmeg. Nutmeg. Oh, not, yeah, yeah, not, yeah, yeah, yeah. Nutmeg oh, yes, to... I remember. Yes, yeah, 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 yeah. Classic. Um, yes. This is such a focused introduction. I think this is the most focused broadcast we've ever done. Okay. So anyway, right. So we, we thought we'd lost the audio. We were going to give up. And then I get an email from this company this morning saying, oh, we've actually found it. And so this is a happy coincidence. So we can talk about last night. Obviously, I didn't watch it. I've seen the highlights. Sorry, everybody. And it's interesting, isn't it, that it's Matsari being himself. So he selected his own formation and we won 3-0. Now, the highlights, I'm sure, don't tell the story. I suspect it slightly flatters us as a scoreline, or is that wrong? I think, I mean, you know, it's it's debatable, I would say, because until Zerbin came onto the pitch, you know, and then everything became easier. But before, like, our, our like, Napoli's history now will be uh, before Zerbin and after Zerbin. Before Zerbin, <laughs> honestly, we didn't have the best game the best performance uh we like fiorentina had a penalty they missed the penalty um so if they scored that one i think the story would have been a little bit different it was to be honest a very boring game until zerbin came on and i'm not even joking about that it was it was quite uh you know fiorentina had control of the game of control of the go of the ball i would say yeah they had a lot more possession but they did nothing with it we didn't we didn't really like we didn't really concede much to Fiorentina. How was the Botka? The Botka was fine for large I, parts of the like, game. It was the best, I think. On on paper, this formation suits him a million times more, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. But we have to say that maybe you. I don't know if people know about that, but Banzari after the game gave some interviews and he said that he will go back to the four three three as soon as he can. Because it was an interview he had with Mediaset, who has the TV rights for the Super Cup games in Italy. And one guy, one journalist, which I really don't like, actually. Uh, but this guy told him, just be you. It was, I mean, it was an interesting question, I guess. It was like, you came to Napoli saying that you want to emulate, in a way, Spalletti, that you study Spalletti, that you love the 433. And uh, you will change your attitude with, you know, with the uh, with interviews with the journalists. You will not complain as much. Uh, but just be you, you know. Like you are Mazzari. You built your career on the, you know, three man defense and the way yeah. you complain and talk and act. So he said, just be you. And he said, oh yeah, but he actually defended himself. He said, this is all true, but I actually I wasn't joking. He said I actually studied Spalletti's four three three. I really admired it, and I do think that. Uh, it's the way to go. He also said that when he was at Napoli, like 10 years ago, he usually, like he would sometimes play with the 4-3-3. He, he specifically said, I would sub in Berami and sub off a defender. And I would put Berami in front of the defense and I would play with a 4-3-3. So I'm used to it. It's not a, yeah. a tactical formation. It's not a lineup that I'm, I have never used. I'm used to it. And as soon as I have the men to do it, I will do it. I found it interesting that, I mean, maybe it's an excuse, you know, but he did he did say that the most of the problems we are experiencing experiencing are due to uh, Kim, Kim leaving us because he said that with Kim you are able to press a little bit higher onto the pitch, yeah. you are able to be a little bit more aggressive 
against the rival with your pressing and without Kim you're not really able to do that so um... and spoiler alert um, listeners once we get into the thing we recorded on Tuesday but we were actually talking well you were I'm going to take credit for it as well you know it's just as much my show as it is your show Michele fair enough in the shadow of Enzo's <laughs> that was going to be not, called not anymore not even that's true actually I'm in the shadows of the hipsters the shadow of what Ah, oh, well, Shadow anyway, uh, there's quite a sort of British-Italian restaurant, Oro, which is all right. Anyway, um, you were talking about how we've lost that intensity and we were, def- were defending a lot deeper. So that is quite interesting as a thing to say. Um, there was less Kvaratskhelia as well, apparently, because of this formation. Do you think that's fair? Again, like we didn't really create much. I think up until the goal, we had only two shots on target and we weren't really like we, I I think in my opinion, we played peak Mazzari ball. If you can, if you can say Mazzari ball even. Yesterday we played peak Mazzari. I saw uh, Mazzari's Napoli from 10 years ago. So we, we were very deep. We defended very deep. We, uh, it was a very defensive game from us. And then we just went on counter attacks all the time. And to be honest, they were very, effective counter-attacks like the, nice. first, the first goal we scored with Simeone it was a great goal and it was actually like if you see the whole the whole build-up it's amazing like we it was like a little bit Sarresque like Sarribolesque yeah in the highlights it was like what is that? I was like what's happened to the club yeah and with that with that Juan Jesus assist and not just any assist an amazing Juan Jesus assist it was great unbelievable assist for Juan Jesus I think and very beautiful build-up in general. Um, I think it was a... I wouldn't say it's a great performance. It was still disappointing a bit uh, because, again, we didn't really control the game and, you know, the stated objective from Azzarri and from the players is to actually control the game, have the most possession, uh, press, you know, high and stuff like that. We really didn't do that, but we won 3-0. So, I don't know. I don't know if it's even worth discussing it because Mazzari clearly stated that we will go back to 4-3-3. And maybe, you know, maybe we didn't win because of the different lineup. I think we won for different reasons. Maybe uh, the the Ritaro, whatever it's called, was effective. Maybe the, the Holiday Inn not uh, running. Uh, that's hard to say. I don't know. I'm not sure. Maybe it might be. Might be those free slippers that you get in the Holiday Inn. Maybe they had a negative impact on the team. Might be. You know, it's uh, it's. But to add to what we said in the podcast that you guys will hear later, uh, the whole team celebrated together again. It was a funny celebration too because obviously they were celebrating Zerbin scoring a brace. So it was. I mean, they in a half-empty stadium in Saudi Arabia or whatever. Yeah, it was quite funny. Uh, if we win this trophy, will it be the funniest trophy that Napoli have ever won? I think it would be the most hilarious trophy ever, which is why I kind funny. of weirdly really, really want to win it now, actually. It would be quite funny. Yeah, I would say. Yeah, we were missing so many players. Uh, you know, I'm still not hoping. I mean, I am hoping. I'm. I'm not realistically expecting to win this trophy, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, Inter because, will, obviously. Yeah, Inter, Inter are very good right now. But the... we, it was, a, I mean, it wasn't a, a great performance, but it was a solid performance because defensively, 
we didn't concede anything. So, and maybe, you know, maybe it was also due to Fiorentina being shit, but I'm not sure it's all due to Fiorentina not being that that good. I think it was yeah. a solid defensive performance from us. And yeah, we had... How many times have we been able to say that this, this season as well, to be honest? Exactly. So, exactly. Yeah. But I'm okay. very... Like, I don't want to call it an improvement, you know, because I don't know how many times we said, even with Garcia, like every time, like even when we lost, we would say, oh yeah, but I saw some improvements. Yeah, I think we're getting there. I don't know how many yeah. times I read about it or I heard people talking about it. And even now with Mazzari, every time we play slightly well, I hear people saying, oh yeah, we're improving. We're almost there. We're getting there. Uh, I don't know. Like, I don't want, I don't, I don't think we can say that. But I think it will give Mazzari confidence and that's important. It's like the bit, I tweeted this out yesterday, but are you, are you a fan of the film Wayne's World, uh, Michele? Never. I don't think I've ever watched it. Oh my God. Yeah. You missed out on, it was one of the first films I saw in the cinema and in the film Wayne's World, his friend Garth asks for some advice. He says about, about women and he's like, every time I see a beautiful woman, I just get nervous and I throw up and I feel sick and I don't know what to do. And Wayne says to Garth, you know what I say? I say throw up. Because if you if you blow chunks and she runs a mile, it wasn't meant to be. And I think that's really what Mazzardi's doing here. I think Mazzardi just needs to be totally happy to throw up everywhere. And if we stay with him and if the team stay with him, than it was meant to be. What do you think of that that highbrow? You know, sometimes we talk about Shakespeare, but now I'm talking about Wayne's World. I think that, yeah, the comparison can be made between this scene and our current situation. The difference is that in that instance, like in the movie, I guess they're talking about a soulmate or someone that you get for a long-term relationship. In our case, our relationship with Mazzari is already doomed because we know it has an end and the end is coming. It's near. The end is near. Because Mazzari's era, Mazzari the Second's era, will end in about like three months, literally three months. Four months sometimes actually. they're the best. It's like a holiday romance or whatever, you know. Yeah, yeah, I know. It just said. I don't want to think be... actually about about me and Mazzari on holiday together. Anyway, okay. <laughs> so, um, any last thoughts before we go into our proper episode? Oh man, like I'm, I'm waiting for you know the final. Uh, hopefully we can get something good. I agree. Like I, I, I said that too. This team needs confidence. The way they are celebrating after goals, it gives me a lot of, yeah, I don't want to say optimism because I'm not very optimistic about this season, but it gives me a good feeling about it all. I don't think all hope is lost here because the team is still fighting. The team hasn't, the team hasn't given up and that is very nice to see, especially because we've been playing very badly for, well, for four months now, even like five. So yeah, I mean it's 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 you know it's a good sign. It's a good sign. Win if we win a trophy, especially if we win a trophy against you know, a good team against Inter, for example, and if we win convincingly, then who knows? You know who knows? I'm honestly like I'm not gonna say we can turn it around because I've thought about it so many times this season. But what I'm seeing is that this team is not dead, and they have a lot of reasons. Like I'm not finding excuses for them but they have so many reasons to actually give up you know it sounds weird but it's true like realistically no, yeah, speaking, yeah, yeah. No, you know if you put I... yourself in their shoes you know like they want a massive 
trophy, like a historic trophy with Napoli. Uh, a lot of them, a lot of them are, already know that they're going to leave like this summer, like Politano, for example, Zieliski is on his way as well. Um, some players didn't even, like weren't supposed to be starters, like Juan Jesus. Uh, you know, some of them are, you know, Osimen is also about to leave. We know that. So, you know, like, it, I'm not, again, it's not an excuse, but I do understand if they mentally switch off, especially after four months of nothing and after appointing Walter Mazzari as your head coach. I haven't seen that yet. I'm seeing mm. them and I'm surprised by it. You know, like, I'm very surprised and, you know, it's, they're going to have my support. They're going to have my support no matter what because of that. They're still fighting. They still care. That's mm. nice to see. So if we win a trophy, especially, especially if we play Inter in the final, who knows, you know? It's it's all about confidence, in my opinion. Like many things in life. And we will be recording again next week, so we'll know how we feel. So, yeah, brilliant. Okay. Cheers, Michele. Thanks for popping in for a quick chat. Good. Twice in one week, eh? Oh, blimey. What's going on here? Are we like professional podcasters now? Well, I am because I get paid a lot of money for this. Um, uh, I should probably give you some. Oh, that's awkward. Anyway, right. Um, Rafa, you're producing this. I think this is the moment now to to take us into the show proper. All right. Off we go. Hit it, Raf. <laughs> Benvenuti and ciao ragazzi to the 42nd episode of In the Shadow of Vesuvio. My name is Henry Bell and I am broadcasting from the west of Scotland. Uh, with me today, as always, is my co-host Michele Borelli, who is in the shadow of Vesuvio. Michele, how are you feeling about us seeing each other so soon after our last recording? This feels wrong. This feels very wrong. I can't remember the last time we did this. I'm not sure we're going to have any listeners now because they're used to waiting two months between episodes. So probably it's going to be just us talking to each other. And there's usually some kind of development in our facial hair, um, head hair, chest hair, um, because we we record this with no shirts on. Don't we, Michele? Yes, but this time, no. We look exactly like we're wearing the same clothes the last time. We are wearing, yeah, the same beard, same, same it's everything. Everything. the same. I, yeah. I haven't showered since, since the last episode, even. Yeah, indeed. And ironically, you record in the shower as well. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that's the only way I can record an episode like completely naked. Apparently, Jim Morrison, the singer of the Doors of Leather Trousers fame. Uh, he recorded the whole of L.A. Woman uh, from his bathroom stroke toilet in Paris. Yeah, there you go. There and you in go. many ways, Michele, you're the Jim Morrison of uh, Napoli podcasting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All, yeah, the three or four podcasts in English that we have in the Napoli world. Yeah, I'm the Jim Morrison. Yeah, that's a Hey, big but actually, pool. shout out to Rafa's new, new podcast, uh, which is up and running. So it's great to have Presidente back. Um, nice, but the the one thing that has changed, Michaela, your your chest hair may be in exactly the same arrangement as it was last week. 
It, it is. But I don't know if you've noticed. Oh. <laughs> it's going well, isn't it? Um, Napoli won. Are you sure? Yeah. Can and you double scored, check? Yeah, and they scored the winning goal um, in front of Curva B. Oh, yeah, that's true. I remember that now. Yeah, 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 that happened. That is that real thing that actually happened. Yes, I can confirm. I've seen it with my own eyes. Napoli scoring a natural goal in front of me. How many times have I told you that if we play the second half yeah. towards Curva B, we actually win games? I think, so there you I mean, go. could we get, I mean, it's the sort of thing like Aurelio De Laurentiis, sorry to mention him so early, Michele, yeah. to bring you down so early, but it's the sort of thing he would request special dispensation from UEFA or something to yeah. demolish half the stadium and only have half a pitch um, and Napoli would only go towards Curva B. That's a surreal thought, but, you know, this season can get more surreal and I think it probably will. Anyway, yeah. Let's stick to the important and rigorous show notes that we've uh, put together, right? And it is episode 42. Uh, what is number 42 in the Napoli Tombola? Number 42 is, an, uh, is a great one. It's an easy one. It's a popular one because number 42 is au café. Coffee. The coffee. That's it. 42 au café. And the team definitely played like they'd had their espresso. Well, I don't know. I wouldn't go that far. In we the last game. game. Yeah, in the last, in the last I would say, yeah, probably in the last 60 to 90 seconds of the game, we were actually great. Yeah, I saw Spalletti's Napoli once again. <laughs> but I had my eyes closed for those 90 seconds. So I don't know. They, so they tell me. Uh, so, so what we're going to do is we're going to go through what it was like to be there. So obviously it was a home game. I've got a couple of things that I'd like to ask you about general home gameness um, this season, because I think it's quite interesting from my plastic perspective. And obviously we need to know all about that glorious moment at the end. Um, so let's put our minds back to, to match day. I think we're going, let's we go old school on this. Let's go old school. Let's do the kind of before, during, and after. So, what were you like? Because a lot of our listeners are not in Napoli, not in Naples, and we live vicariously through you. What was your, your pre match routine? Because if you follow Michele on his various um, social media channels, you would have noticed, dear listener, that Michele was promoting um italian street food um before this game so tell us a bit more about your your pre-match routine for this how did you feel going into it so yeah i had a friend coming over from helsinki this is a a great guy long time napoli fan who was a customer decided off as a customer now he's a dear friend he comes often he's a he's a season ticket older too actually and wow. he comes often to napoli so yeah yeah, great stuff, great stuff. So it was he, he just landed in Napoli three hours before the game. He didn't have time to, to eat, so I told him, let's get a panino. You know, I'll get a panino for you. And uh, I, I went to my local grocery store, like a family-owned grocery store, right near my, my apartment, and I uh, just got a plain panino. I like the plain panino with prosciutto cotto, so ham, and some kind of mozzarella cheese product so this time was provola a lot of people thought it was mozzarella 
but it wasn't. Mozzarella makes the panino too soggy. You know, Absolutely. I mean, yeah. come on, everybody. Don't put... So the provola, that's one that's the handle. You can hit someone over the head with it. Is that is it that yeah. one? The provola, well, yes and no. But provola is, is more dry. Yeah, so yeah. It's not as dry as fior di latte, which is the one you find on pizza. But this is a common a common mistake people make. People think that on margherita you have mozzarella, but that's not true. You have fior di latte. Because fior di latte yeah. is dry. And mozzarella, especially mozzarella di bufala, which you can have on pizza, but it's way too wet. So it makes the pizza too too wet and watery and soggy. And the panino is the same because I bought the panino, but I, I ate it two hours later and it was still very good. You need structure so, yeah. to it. You need solidity to a exactly. to particularly a panino that's going to make its way into the... But but just on the provola, right? Am I visualizing it right? It's It's like a club, basically. That you'd hit it's someone over the, the head, like a small I, one. Uh, it depends on the provola. Else? It depends. It depends on the provola. You can have different kinds of provola. Uh, this one is more of a no. It's not the one you're thinking of. The one that is called? that one is harder. This one is still like a bit wet. Moist. There's still some milk in it. Yeah, moist. But there is. Uh, it's. It's no. It's like like ball shade. It's much bigger than a mozzarella. A it's moist ball. About, yeah, it's about. I don't know, 15, 20 centimeters. Again, it depends on the on the provola. But it's delicious. It's lightly smoked. And it's yeah, I love it with with uh, with, with prosciutto cotto. I told the 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 grocery man, the panino maker, please be generous with ham and and, and provola because I'm hungry. So yeah, he made this quite big panini. I was considering making two each, but yeah, no, one was enough. And, and there's yeah, a glorious we... shot. If you haven't seen it, listeners, do go to. You did it through your Napoli tickets, right? Um, yes, yes, yes. Yeah, of, of it um, foregrounding the glorious study Armando Diego Maradona. Diego Maradona. Um, do have a look at that. One of the things. So is this like what's it called? Like a a negozet? What's it called? This like the small shops that you have in Naples. So this this specific shop is a salumeria. So this okay. is a shop which only which would only sell like salami, prosciutto, mozzarella. I love uh, these shops. Bread. A lot of people from like the UK and I think the States don't realize that you can get a panino from these shops. And they're oh, yeah. usually quite reasonable. So like you're usually it's like two euros or whatever. And whenever I'm in or three, whenever I'm in Napoli or lots of places in Italy, I'll go I'm out for the day. Get a big panino from one of these. Like it just looks like a little shop that sells cheese and ham, but actually you can get your lunch there. Yeah, exactly. They, because they sell all the ingredients, so people think that they can they can get the ingredients separately and then you, they have to assemble the panino themselves. Which I mean, you can do, but if you ask them, usually they just make a panino for you. They, you know, they they just open the panino, they put stuff inside. They don't extra charge. They just charge for the ingredients. I mm. paid. This panino was quite big. And there was a lot of prosciutto and a lot of provola inside. So I, I think I paid four euros, which is expensive for a panino in a salumeria. But it was it was massive. It was okay, very so big. You got, you got your panino. You got on your were you on your scooter to head to the stadium? Yeah, always. I would never go without a scooter. Like even if it's raining, even if there is a hailstorm, I will go with my scooter. If people don't know, you know, Forigrotta, which is this area where the stadium is, it's a very you know, it's it's on the northwest side of Naples, and I live on the southeast, so I have to go through 
the whole city and see yeah there's so much traffic you they, you they go through the little streets you know lungomar and stuff uh inside well, Naples, the so you go yeah no to the yeah to the tunnel to the highway surrounding napoli i usually choose if, if the weather is nice i choose to go through napoli because i like the i like the view this is actually something i started doing last season when napoli did, the, Napoli became blue because of the Scoletto celebration. I, one day oh, I decided, yeah. you know what, I want to actually experience this. So I think the first time I did it was for Napoli Salernitana. And honestly, this is that ride between my house and the stadium was one of the most memorable moments uh, for me regarding last season. It's, it, I was almost about to cry just riding the scooter. I think we talked about this a little bit. Yeah, we did, yeah. It's, 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 yeah it, was, it was great. Yeah, it was amazing. Okay, and, so, yeah, you're so on, yeah. on a get with you, Panina. And what's it like? So last season, there was a lot of gathering outside the stadium. There was a lot of singing and chants and flares and all that. Now, I'm assuming we don't have as much of that this no. season. No, no. First of all, first of all, the stadium is not sold out now. I mean, at least for the Salernitana game, it wasn't sold out. We are. I want. I'm sorry to interrupt, but it looks much busier than it would have been normally, though. It is hundred percent, but it's still not sold out. Last season, that the stadium would sell out in like one day for all games. I mean, clearly, you know, such a season we had. But no, this this season it's like like slowly. I have to be honest, slowly going down. So yeah, Salernitana, Napoli, Salernitana wasn't a sellout, but it was still decent, still decent. The thing is, it's not just about people being excited. Napoli is massively increasing ticket prices now. A lot of people will just say, "Oh yeah, but you know, like the cheapest ticket is fourteen euros." That's true, but that's also the <laughs> That the worst ticket manageable. Uh, like the they decreased the lowest, like the cheapest ticket price a little bit, and they increased the average. So, uh, for example, for a good ticket in the distinti section, which is the section where you see the Napoli, like the Napoli with the you know the white Napoli uh, yeah. in the seats there. Uh, that's like I would say we have about a fifty percent price increase. For that whole section, which is fifty percent, like about yeah, yeah, more or less, yeah, fifty percent, yeah, because now Napoli is finally making the lower levels cheaper and the upper levels uh, a different price. So for- see, that's what I noticed watching on TV, and I think a lot of people listening will also notice this on TV is that you can see those absolute bottom levels. It, they're much more populated than the. I mean, obviously everything was populated last season, but like the season before and the seasons in the past, they've mostly been empty. And I think it confuses a lot of people. That's so for that's, that's for three reasons. First of all, Napoli is giving away a lot of free tickets for those sections, so which is a good thing because they are giving free tickets to Napoli schools and football academies around the region. So that's nice. So if you see like small patches of like kids and people with the same hats. Like every, like I see a lot of like, you know, red hats, green hats. I think it's just like entire classrooms of children. It's quite fun to see. I was talking to a friend of mine walking towards uh, Curva B uh, 
for the Salernitana game and we were a bit depressed because, you know, like we've been losing so many games and we were like sadly walking towards Curva B and then next to us we saw uh, in front of the Distinti Gates these like 20 children celebrating, jumping and <laughs> just chanting stuff. And it was nice to see. I say, yeah, finally some excitement right. around right. here. So, yeah. Okay, so... So there was also there was also nice. So that's the first reason why that section is a little bit more full. The second reason is because they changed the well. Obviously, the tickets are, as I said, cheaper there. So Napoli has always sold the upper and lower level at the same price. Finally, I've been saying this for for years, but finally they've decided to to differentiate the price between the upper better levels and the lower slightly worse levels. So now they are more appealing in terms of a list price. And the last but very important reason is because the TV rights in Serie A have changed some parameters. So now you get a part of the money from the TV rights based on how much of your stadium, how many of your seats in the stadium are, are filled. So Napoli has, is incentivized, you know, in filling all the seats even the ones that are less appealing because they get more money not just by Whoa. from the tickets but from the tv rights it's not a lot of it but it's now it it matters before it didn't matter for napoli so i mean it's basic incompetence the reason why those seats were empty but also yeah. now it's you know they're more incentivized so you don't lo- not only get money from the tickets you only get mo- you also get more money from the tv rights and it's not how many you have in the stadium, it's the proportion of how full your stadium is. It's, if I remember correctly, it's, it's a percentage. I, I, I think so. Because it's think thinking, so. if this is a global product, it needs to look like people are watching it. I think um, so. I think that's the rationale behind it, yes. So like someone like a club like Genoa, for example, they've sold loads of season tickets this season, and it seems like that stadium's always full. You know, you can see why, actually, because when there's a Genoa game on TV, you're like, ooh, this atmosphere is... It's big. Um, they have okay, a nice that'll... stadium there. Oh, I'd love to go. I would like to go. Um, where, when were you twice. last there? I was, I think the last time I was there was Sampdoria 3, Napoli 0. Oh. With that very nice Quagliarella goal. Do you remember? That was like the best goal of that season, like a backheel goal. He only scores yeah. world class, used to score against us. Like, yeah, yeah. That, was, that was painful. It was a few years ago, but yeah, that was, that was painful. Okay, well, I think... Okay, so there we are. You're on your skirt. You're right. I've got your Panino. There isn't a huge amount of um, atmosphere of people chanting beforehand. Let's talk about the starting eleven. So maybe you've been realising this for ages, but I looked at that starting eleven and I was like, this isn't a very good team. <laughs> I was like, when, when, when did this happen? You know, I was, like, I was looking at it. I was like, if you take out... Di Lorenzo and Cavalazzcalia and Lobotka on a good day. This is a sh- pretty average team, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a series of factors that came into play. But yeah, I mean, you can still blame poor planning on Napoli for this. Because, I mean, you don't have a proper team this season, at least. And you still sell Elmas, which you know wasn't a starter, but was still the one of the uh, maybe like the first bench player we had. 
And yeah, so now we have Angisa in Africa for the for the cup. I'm just talking about the mid- midfield here because I think that's our biggest issue right now. Uh, See, I at think least at the, the moment. What? I think it's the defense. Although actually, I think that we're talking about the same thing because it's yeah. Anyway, we'll talk about it in a sec. But I think um, so. Was it? Have you been thinking this for a while? I mean, was it noticeable? Did you sort of raise your eyebrows too? Just I looked at it. And I thought this could be, you know. Uh, I was talking about Sassuolo last last week. I think it was like a kind of Sassuolo level team, isn't it? With a couple of really good players chucked in. And you just think, I don't know, it's hard to get optimistic and excited when you see a starting eleven like that. Um yeah. so what was the mood like in the Kurova before? Was it did he manage to get there before a decent time before kickoff, etc.? Oh yeah, no, no, always. I was there, I think, an hour an hour and a half before kickoff. Now the stadium is, I mean, it was a Saturday at 3 p.m., which is not a very convenient time. Mm. Funny enough, it's a Serie B kickoff time, so I found that kind of funny. <laughs> we had a Serie B lineup, Serie B kickoff yes. time. Yes, so yeah, that was that was great. Uh, For the a relegation was absolutely Yeah, it wasn't that cold. It was, it was a bit chilly. Uh, but yeah, it was fine. When I got in, it, there weren't a lot of people inside. I think most of the people got in in the last... 20 minutes, which is not something like 20 minutes before kickoff. And that it's not very common in Napoli. Usually people fill the stadium at least one hour before kickoff. I think this is, I wouldn't call it a tradition. It was more of a necessity because until a few years ago, you weren't reserved a seat anywhere in the stadium except two sections Mm. until like five, four or five years ago. Now, this only applies to curva, the curva section, which I think it's absolutely fine. I've always, I've also been saying this for years, you know, that if you pay a lot of money for the distinti, for a distinti ticket, then you should have your seat reserved. Yeah. So people, and when I, when I started going to the stadium, I used to go to distinti at the beginning. And yeah, it was more of a necessity. You, you had to go there, you know, like it was common between friends to say, yeah, we have to get there because we have to get a good seat. Because if we get there late, you're only going to find like the bad seats on the sides or all the way up. And that then the creates the atmosphere. That's interesting. So it's the kind of conditions that form this tradition of singing before the kickoff and stuff that pre yeah, there was Yeah, there was a few years ago. Now, yeah. people still try to get there early because, again, if you've ever been to this stadium, you know that the queues are quite long, especially so an hour and a half to get in. To an hour yeah, and a half. Uh, but it was the last there game. you go. Yeah, I mean that was that was special. There was there was like five times as much security as for a normal game. A lot of people with fake tickets, like most yeah, people yeah. with fake tickets, I would say. Yeah. So yeah, no, it's not common. But yeah, to get there, there's a lot of traffic. There is no parking. Uh, the police in the last months have been actually they have actually been more strict. When it comes to parking, so they've, I think they're taking about a hundred, like they're towing about a hundred cars per game, what? which I find, yeah, something like that. Someone's which, making some money. Yeah, yeah, I find, I find it quite funny to be honest. My my scooter, which is safe, is still illegally parked. Like ninety percent of the vehicles around the stadium. Oh no, I won't say where it is. It's impossible to take it for the police though, because. It's a little bit even a secluded area. There is no access. Imagine, for, Michele, imagine going trucks. to see this terrible Napoli team play like anti football. 
that makes yeah. you know Allegri look like the, the recently departed. Um, what's his Zagallo, the Brazilian coach. You know, it's it's so bad. And then you leave the stadium, and the police have taken your car away. Oh my god! Yeah, it happened to a cousin of mine. Like she went to the stadium for the first time, I think, in her life a few months ago with her girlfriend, with her boyfriend, and uh, it was I think Napoli lost. I don't remember the game. Might have, might have been Napoli Cremonese last year, last season. Uh, Coppa oh, the Italia. Coppa Italia. No, no, but it was this season. So it was way worse. We still lost the home game. It was a night evening game. It was cold and it was raining. And when they went outside the stadium after the game, the car was not there anymore. So they had to pay a lot of money. I think it was about 150 euros oh, to get the car back, which oh, is God. which is annoying because actually if they get your car for an evening game, you cannot get it back until the day after. So it's yeah, it's it's quite it ruins your day a little bit. But you I have do to think return to the scene of the crime, the footballing crime, and yeah. the, the motoring crime. Exactly, but I still think it's a good thing for other reasons. We won't get into it now because it's a complex issue. We'll do our One. traffic podcast in in the summer, I think. But I think yes. okay. So <laughs> do you do, <laughs> keep your ears peeled, listeners? The <laughs> Do you think this this sort of new behaviour of the fans, therefore, is to do with the performance of the team that people are thinking, look, I'm going to go, but I'm not going to chant for an hour before this team playing anti-football? I think it's, yeah, mostly about that for sure, but it's not just that, you know. it's As I was trying to say very badly in the last episode, it's a mixture of things. It's mm. the fact that we're coming from such a successful season and now we are... We are this. I don't know what we are, but we are just bad. And it's hard to react to this. It's, you know, a few things happen during the game and after the game. It's just, I think they are quite unprecedented because you want to be angry, but then you remember that you have a Scudetto on your chest. You're still thankful to those players because they are basically the same players who won as a Scudetto. So it's hard to be super angry about it, you know, but you're still very disappointed. And yeah, you've seen a few banners. There was a banner at the beginning of the game, which I posted on Twitter as well, which said, um, what did it say? We only, like the gist of it was, we if you are not happy here, you are welcome to leave. Uh, yeah. We only want players who are willing to fight for the city and the, and the team, something, something like that. What did it say uh, in Italian-ish? Was it in Italian or Neapolitan? No, it was not. Banners are always, basically, always in in Italian. We never. I I very rarely seen a banner in Neapolitan. It's only like some mottos and stuff. Yeah, it's interesting. I I realized that just a few years ago. I was like, wait, we never, we never had a a, a banner, not even flags in Neapolitan. That's that's, that's strange. So yeah, the the banner said in Italian said, um, "Chi non se la sente, saluti con dignità." Which means those who don't feel up to it should bow out with dignity, should leave. Mm. Vogliamo solo che orgoglio, ambizione e rispetto per la città. We only want those with pride, ambition and respect for the city. Which, you know, this, this goes well with what we said last week too. You know, it's a protest, but it's a very soft protest. You know, it's not an angry protest. It's just a call for respect. And even the chance, uh, Napoli Strass have never been, you know, too politically correct when it yeah. comes to 
chants and and yeah. you know this kind of like stuff they say and show in the stadium if they have to offend players and and you know the Laurentis they they do it they they're not afraid to do so now they are again like this banner they are a bit a bit softer you know when it comes to well we we will talk about it later when we when so we do you talk think... about the goal well, I was going to say, so let's. So the first half an hour is not great. And the 29th minute, um, Kandreva scores. A lot of people described it as a world class goal, which I think it technically was in terms of the finish. But how on earth was he in a position to do that shot? And this comes back to what you think is wrong with the team. So you're saying the midfield, I'm saying the defense. And in some ways, I think it's probably the communication between those two areas because we keep conceding goals that are in that sort of contested space in front of the penalty area, right? And watching on the sofa as a plastic, I mean, it was on the other side of the stadium, so I'm not sure how much of it you saw, but like... Um, no, it was in front of me. The first goal? Yeah. That they scored? Of course, because they didn't goal. score it. Fucking hell, sorry. Yeah. Jeez, it's been a long day. Started teaching Shakespeare this morning <laughs> at 9am. Um... So that's my get get my excuses in. So yeah, so go on then. So you, am I right that there's this kind of black hole in front of our penalty area that is just free for opposition players to take a to take a pop? Oh yeah, no, absolutely. We don't we don't we are not as aggressive as we were last season. And I think the main problem is probably about the fact that we are defending so deep inside our uh, our box. So that's something that we never did with, you know, with, with Spalletti. We used to defend, like you used to say, that Napoli is a good team when defending in the uh, rivals' uh, side of the of yeah. the pitch. So attacking, attacking defense. Let's say we can call, we yeah. could call it like that. And now we are not doing that anymore. Now we are uh, just running back a lot. We are very deep inside our box and. That means that uh, also the midfielders are also qu- almost inside the our box, and uh, you can okay. see it in the replays that no one is challenging Kandreva for his shot because I think Kayuste maybe was again like two or three meters away from him, even more, and it was again like too deep, like too far away. You know, it's difficult to talk about tactical stuff in English because Italian has so many words to explain what I'm trying to explain, but in English... It's even harder for me to do it in Italian, but I'm trying to be, like, enterprising, and, like, I try to read, like, um, Gazetta or Co- Co- Corea or whatever. Um, it's so difficult, man. It's, it's so like, difficult. It's like, what are these words? What do they mean? Um, maybe one day we'll have a section. We should have a kind of um, Italian footballing phrase of the week or whatever. But, no, I mean, that, that really makes sense. So, essentially, in fact, that's really helped me because... In my head, it was to do with the the kind of shape of the midfield spread across the whole pitch. But actually, it's that the midfield are kind of in our box and the defenders are behind that. So that's actually really, really deep. And so that space in front of the box is is just our forwards. That's really interesting. Yeah, that's mostly, I think, one of the problems. With and that's where dinosaur football, because the great thing yeah. about Spalletti's team, particularly up to March, was... I mean, he famously said that there aren't systems anymore. It's just a, a way of finding space and filling space. But the reason he could do that was what we'd probably call the kind of press. So that the, the, the defending that happens in the opposition 
penalty area from the forward line. And that just doesn't seem to happen anymore, which I think is a sign of having two coaches in a row that are from the old days. You know, this is all like contemporary football, isn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah. So how did it... It was very interesting on TV how like... it was. I was relatively impressed with the noisiness of the stadium, considering how badly Napoli were playing in the opening stages. And then there was just this... Even sat on the sofa, you could hear the winds just come out of everybody. You know, like mm. like people have been punched in the stomach. What was it like in the Corova when that goal went in? No, everyone, we couldn't believe what we just saw. And it was a general feeling of, oh, here we go again. You know, this is going to be one of those days again. And yeah, it was, I mean, it's, you don't really appreciate you know, the greatness of these goals when you conceded. Uh, a, a lot of people around me were just saying like, some people were blaming Gollini, but then again, you have to remember that from where I watched the games, you can't really see, you know, it's, angle, it's a, it, yeah, the angle is bad. It's a weird perspective. You can't really you don't have depth, depth perception. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, so it's yeah. really hard to evaluate the game tactically and it's very hard to, you know, evaluate the positions of layers and stuff like that. So no, it was but you just... can see how they communicate though. That's what I like about sitting in the curva or standing in the curva. And I just want to on that goal. Kim. I want to talk about Kim actually, because it's interesting. I remember when we spoke really early last season and you picked up really quickly on how well Kim seemed to be communicating with the back line and sort of commanding the line and where people are going. Has anybody stepped into those shoes? Like, can you see leadership on the pitch in that back line or in the midfield no not really it's because i mean it's also because i don't really like our defenders in general not just this season i don't like rakbani and i really don't like juan jesus so Ugh. you know maybe i'm biased i shouldn't be but i really want them out i never liked rakbani i think it's a very you know limited kind of player you know, it's the player that every, if everything works well, then he's also not usually a liability. But, you know, as soon as he gets some responsibility, you can tell that it's not that great. And his and, whole Napoli career has been playing alongside two of the, the best central defenders that have played in Serie A for the past 20 years. So, you know, I think if it was you and me next to Koulibaly or um, Kim, I think we'd look all right, to be honest. Yeah. Um, although I'd have to take my glasses off and I wouldn't be able to see what was going on. The, um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so that leadership is noticeable. I because I um I watch in a weird way. I can see the footage at half time and they go in the tunnel quite early mm. in the way that I watch. And what's really interesting from my perspective is how flat the team are in the tunnel before they come out. And I think that's a terrible sign. The the body language in general is I think is appalling. Anyway, so the cover, the goal goes in. You don't appreciate the greatness of it. And everyone... So again, is it still this polite protest? Is it still this kind of um, almost ambivalence rather than what the effing hell is going on? No, I think for the most part, up until the last 20 minutes of the game, it was like just support. And it's funny when you say that you you heard the stadium being very loud because it's, I always get the opposite feeling when I'm in there, like when I think that the stadium is silent, people tell me, oh, wow, you get you did a great job in Curva today. You know, the stadium was so loud. Like, really? When I think we are the loudest, 
people say, oh, why was the stadium so silent? It's It happened so many times. I, I really don't know what's going on there. But yeah, I mean, it was, I get, maybe I get used, used to it a little bit. But I, I think it was slightly more silent than usual. Then again, I think something weird happens when the stadium is a little bit more empty. For some reason, it gets louder. It's not just Acoustic. because... Yeah. yeah, the acoustics. I, I, I guess. I don't know. It's a weird phenomenon that happens. And I, I guess it's more about how you hear it from television. It was normal, I would say. People didn't protest anything except the first banner that we talked about people didn't really protest mm. uh the ultras and the normal fans up until i think the last 15 minutes 20 50 minutes and then yeah it, it changed a little bit because okay so yeah. we get we get lucky with the penalty and then it's half time not loads of booze i can't remember what happened when the whistle went for half time was there was there booing no 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 no, no. okay and then we start the second. It's all a bit flat. It's, you know, from watching on the sofa again to go back to that starting 11 and, and the players that have come in. Toyota had a kind of really good moment. Like, I think it was about seven, eight minutes in. He did some turn and made his way through, which was great. And then for pretty much the rest of the half, never quite made anything happen. Like, he'd get into those good positions and then couldn't find the right pass, couldn't... couldn't um kind of break down the the defense and Simeone, you know, who I would like to stay, but he's not obviously the same level. So there was just a bit of a, a flat feeling at home and in the stadium. But then things turn about an hour in because it's still staying flat, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And it was, it was a depressing second half. In my opinion, it was just sad. I think now we're turning into towards irony in the curva. Like people around me, Myself too. We just make jokes during the second half. You know, every time we did something good, I was like, "There you go. That's the moment." Now we're gonna turn the season around. You see, like every good pass, every like small resemblance of a good shot on target. We <laughs> just like that slight hope that we have that yes, that's gonna, this is gonna turn everything around. And then obviously nothing happens anyway. This is usually the feeling that we have we've been having for the whole season. It's like this continuous hope because the thing is, it, it's hope that kills you, you know? It's, yeah. the, the, the team, it, it's such a weird season because like, I cannot say that the team is not putting in effort. That's the thing. I don't see players not running. I don't see it. Maybe I should look at the stats, but I'm, I'm pretty sure that if I look at the stats, the stats will say that, the, you know, the team, the, the players are still running as much as they were running with, with Spalletti, I think the problem is that they're running in the wrong directions, in the wrong way. They're probably yeah. just wasting a lot of energy. But I well, don't that comes see... back to what we were saying before about the opp- opposition half and the lack of defending that's going on there, perhaps. Yeah, 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 I know. Th- that's definitely part of it. And But yeah, I just, like, I don't see players who don't care. That's the thing. I, see, I think that they probably don't have a plan now. And, you know, when you don't have a plan... You have to improvise. When you improvise, usually you take a lot of risks. When you take a lot of risks, you make a lot of mistakes. You know, and that's what we're seeing right now. But it's mm. I don't see a bad attitude. Maybe this is somewhat controversial, but I don't see a bad attitude from the players. This was somewhat confirmed to me when we scored the goal. And like the whole team celebrated like we won like a Champions League final. 
mean, I mean, I mean, let's talk about them. I mean, it's really interesting for me. So I was watching in my plastic way and feeling all despondent. And then when that goal went, I went nuts. I was really surprised, actually. It was maybe it was relief. I don't know what it was. And it really reminded me of, of last season in a weird way. I know it's weird to think about it, but football's a strange game, isn't it? It's so dependent on the moment. And in that moment, it was like a kind of Scudetto winning, defining moment. And it was beating the shittest team in the league in that moment. Um, was <laughs> Was that in the cover? Did you forget all context and just go bananas? No, yeah, no, we did. It was one of the biggest celebrations for a goal I've seen in a probably in a few years. It was I very love it. in a few years, so not even last. Yeah. Was last season we were so far ahead that you know. No, no, in a few years, I, like people fell onto me. I fell onto people. <laughs> it was like a lot of people being like celebrating horizontally because I mean we are in a very crowded area in curva b so we don't have a lot of like personal space there celebrating so when... horizontally i love it it's such a specific mental image of these people yeah, no, that's flying def- around. yeah like the best goals i've ever celebrated were goals where we celebrated horizontally one of the <laughs> one of these goals was for me like for my personal experience was napoli chelsea when lavezzi scored the oh, uh, lavezzi yeah. and cavani scored i remember just like my father like, i was at the city with my father my uncle and my brother and when I think Cavani scored the 2-1, yes, my, br- my father and my uncle, I f- like we celebrated like crazy and my father and my uncle fell two rows like down. But it wasn't like in a dangerous way, you know, like, yeah, I mean, it's not, still a bit concerning, but it's not like everything stops like, oh, yeah, no, take care of this. No, like they, fo- they fell, but still celebrating while they were falling and people all around them were still catching them but still celebrating while catching them, you know? So that's the kind of, it's not obviously just those two, like the whole, the whole curva was falling down. I had the, I had someone on my leg, which I mean, normally would be quite dangerous, you know, because my leg was stuck and it was someone like pressing on my leg, but I didn't care. You know, you know how many times I've celebrated goals and then I went home and I found like big patches, you know, like on my body, like scratches or like bruises and yeah. And then I still like it was like wait what how like I don't remember getting hurt here I don't remember so that horizontal being celebration yeah exactly so that's what happened for that goal it was crazy it was honestly again one of the biggest celebrations of the last few years which is you know it was you know it's weird uh, it was a weird b- game I love yeah. how weird it is I mean it's such otherwise we wouldn't do this we wouldn't watch it whatever uh, that's one of the great things about it that okay I mean I love all the narratives and all the stories and the different developments of things that are going on but actually the best thing about it is the moment when things happen when it's like that you know what i mean and that's the pure like unadulterated joy and it was also like a kind of existential celebration wasn't it because it was like we hadn't felt anything as fans for so long yeah and then there was just i know it's the worst team in the league and i know we're like i don't know seventh or eighth or whatever we are in the league but who gives a who cares in that moment? And a, a player that's been terrible all season that we probably would rather see out of the club. Did you see Cavadascalia's uh, reaction? Yeah, I saw it. I saw it later in a replay because I didn't see it. Like obviously, when when Napoli scored, I couldn't see anything other than people on me and <laughs> under me and up like above me. And yeah, so I I, I saw Rachmani running. 
towards me and I I don't know how but I quickly took my phone I took a very blurry picture yeah. <laughs> while he was running and then I quickly put the phone back in my pocket and continue celebrating I I wanted to take a picture of it because it's quite nice when they come celebrating towards us and I wanted to share this picture with 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 you and with everyone else but it was such oh, a dangerous like yeah it was it I, was I very dangerous it, yeah. yes yes yeah. go go watch it it's a little bit blurry because again it was very hard to stay still and with people all around me and me you know like i think i was stomping on someone while i took that picture it was it was pretty crazy and yeah no it was such a big celebration in hindsight again i i i never say like when you when you feel something with football i will never say that you're wrong for feeling what you're feeling especially when it's joy you know a lot of people like i made fun for example of roma fans when they celebrated the arrival of Dybala, when that embarrassing, you know, like yeah. big, you know, like Mourinho or Lukaku even. Yeah, there was, but still I do respect that because at the end of the day, football is feeling. So if you want to celebrate something so meaningless, in my opinion, as the signing, signing Dybala or Lukaku, uh, yeah, okay, you know, be my guest. I'm still going to make fun of you a little bit, but I do yeah. understand it. I do understand yeah. it. We feel the same, you know, and I think the placing one of the most annoying things about social media are people sort of placing people's feelings about the club, you know. And there are some people who have their different perspective than us, and that's fair enough. I'm not going to tell you to be a different kind of fan, you know. Yeah. Um. Just the thing is, in hindsight, it is a little bit embarrassing for us to celebrate a goal scored in the last second of a game at home against the last place team in Serie A. The way we did, especially, you know, like the, the way oh, we. Yeah, the way we scored and the way we celebrated, like it's yeah, you 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 know there were some some uh, parallels drawn between Kavarskelia celebrating the goal uh, against um, Salernitana last Saturday and uh, Zieliski celebrating the goal against Juventus in Turin the same way, you know, just like very. Tired. They were actually very similar, didn't they? Because he sort of fell down on yeah. the ground. It was exactly the same. But then you think you think about it, and one is celebrating the goal that probably gave us the scudetto, and one is celebrating winning at home in the last second against the last place team, which but allowed us to go from eighth to seventh in the table. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you know, so it is but quite that is embarrassing. Where I love the guy, and you can see why people yeah. like him actually, because you want people like that playing for your club you know and there is where spiritually at least he reminds me of Lavezzi they're very different players but I think that he's a sort of spiritual cousin to to Lavezzi in in that sense Um, in a a way in a way it's just that I think the way we celebrate the way the players celebrated the goal I think it says a lot because if you see the replays everyone everyone is running towards Rachmani and towards the Gurva and the only one who's not doing that is Kvaraskelia because he just fell on the beach, you know, and celebrated like that. So that says a lot, you know, if you don't care, and a lot of people are saying that players don't care anymore, no? Because they are, mm. you know, even even about Kvaraskelia because he's not, like, he's one of the lowest earners in the, in the team and a lot of people are saying that, you know, players are willing, are just waiting to leave the team and the club and I mean, well, Deme it, was really important in that goal. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so if you don't, like, if you don't care, you don't celebrate like that, in my opinion. Because at the and end of the day... it goes back to the ultra banner, doesn't it, Michele? You know, it goes back to the banner of the ultra saying that actually, if you don't want to play, off you go. Well, 
who yeah. is that really you know it's uh yeah it's it's hard. i don't know it's hard to say yeah it's it's it, because on one on one hand i understand the banner because it is true it's like generically true if you don't want to be here be my guest leave and if you don't fight leave you know only the shirt and stuff like that but at the end of the day as i said and again maybe it's controversial but i don't think the problem is motivational when it so comes is there to anyone you say on that pitch is there anyone you see and you're like, oh, this guy's phoning it in? I think, I mean, some of them, you know, are just limited when it comes to skills. <laughs> you know, I don't want to be too hard, but oh, that's the thing. Like, anybody. Yeah, so if they're playing poorly, I don't think it's about motivation it's because they don't care. It's even if that, again, this is my opinion right now, limited to this season. If, even if I don't see them running, it's with a few exceptions, like Angissa, maybe. But it's not about not being motivated. It's about probably not knowing what to do on the pitch, yeah. which is maybe worse. You know, it's a m way more difficult problem to fix. So oh, yeah, because you can always run more, can't you? I mean, it's not hard to run more. Yeah. So it's it's yeah it's it's uh, again it's a difficult season. It's a very it's a very strange situation we're we're in. It's it's hard to say how we get out of this. I I don't know. I mean, the obvious solution is getting a good manager, a good coach. And no, I hate good. to say it, but probably all we need is Antonio Conte. I, I hate to say it because I've hated Conte for such a long time. But a few I think, episodes ago, you were talking about your feelings about Antonio Conte. Yeah, I think probably he's the one we need. I'm, I'm afraid to say it, but yeah, this is... I really hate Conte. I really hate Conte. When he wasn't at Juventus, I... Okay, never mind. My reaction when, when I saw him on television. But it was... Like, I really don't like him. Like, he's very... Will it very be different if Juve. he's in charge of our club? Will it feel different? Is he like one of those sorts of people? You get it with players, don't you? Like, um, Gattuso, for me, I was always like... The guy used to wind me up. But imagine if he actually played for our club. You'd, you'd love him, wouldn't you? So, like, I think... No. That's I don't know. Happen. I don't know. I don't know. It's 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 different with you you people, you players. Because it's not about being against me. It's just they're filthy. I don't know. I don't want to be don't let's not talk about this stuff. It's just okay, that it's, 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 it's not about this it's not about the sports side of things. Yeah, that's yeah, that's yeah. the problem. But you know, we're desperate now enough now that I can admit that probably, you know, I would welcome Conte with open arms. And that is a wow. big sacrifice I'm say I'm doing right now. But, That's fine. Yeah. Well, you, the club first. The um. Okay. So and did that just briefly before we probably have to wrap things up relatively soon. But did that euphoria carry through to after the final whistle? So what was it like at the final whistle? Did people hang around and sing and feel good about themselves for the first time in a while? So yeah, that's interesting because as I said, until ten or fifteen minutes before the 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 the, the end of the game. The ultras, the Gulf and the stadium was still fairly supportive, but then some chants started. And remember that I said last week that they, they had, that that uh, we didn't have any De Laurentiis chants in a long time. Uh, yeah, we we had a couple. That was funny Ooh. because yeah, the, well, well, wait, because it was funny the first time, like when I heard the name De Laurentiis being you know chanted i was like oh there you go like that's just my like like a, a week after i i say on the podcast 
we are not gonna have any more De Laurentiis chants. We have a De Laurentiis chant. That's amazing. Now people are gonna call me on my bullshit. But it wasn't against De Laurentiis. It was surprising because it started as all the other chants against De Laurentiis. But it actually, uh, it was a very, again, soft protest against, I mean, against maybe? I don't know if against is maybe a big word, but it was towards the team and the club and De Laurentiis more specifically. So it was a chant like, De Laurentiis, we want people who can fight. That's it. So it wasn't really about, you know, like De Laurentiis, like, again, the last few seasons it was way worse than it. It was De Laurentiis. Not comparing his family to animals and yeah, exactly. Yes. Now it's just like De Laurentiis. That's what we, what we want. Mm-hmm. Even even a very generic chant against De Laurentiis. The past past few seasons was like De Laurentiis. We are Napoli, which is a way of saying you are not. We yeah. are right yeah, yeah, exactly. now. I was expecting this this chant actually when I heard De Laurentiis in the group, but it was not. It was just De Laurentiis. Basically, it was a way of saying, do the right choices. You know, make the wrong, make the right choices. Uh, it started so, in Curva A, and then Curva B picked it up as well. So that was that was interesting to me. Oh. And uh, there was, yeah, yeah. It wasn't, I mean, I guess they were somewhat, like, they somewhat agreed to do this together. They never do. They never do. So we, Curva A and Curva B in our stadium, they never chant together. Never. Not even once. I don't think this time they did it together, but they, they they almost started at the same time. Like, Curva started, and then a couple of minutes later, Curva B did it as well. So that was the feeling. That was the atmosphere until the goal. Then the goal mm-hmm. happened, and we all celebrated and stuff. But when the players came at the end of the game towards the sections, the Curva A and Curva B, so they always do this. So after games, whether we win or lose, which is, you know, respect, respect to them, because... It wasn't always the case of, until a few years ago. They always go towards Curva A first. And Curva uh, made some chants. I couldn't really tell which what was what were the chants. It wasn't thank you chants. That okay. that I could tell, but I can't I couldn't I couldn't really understand what kind of chants they were chanting. Then they came towards Curva B and Curva B, I think probably did the same chance Curva was doing. I guess because the feeling was the same. So it was the exact same chant that they were chanting for De Laurentiis. It was just like, we want people who can fight. It was the same, well, the same notes, you know, the same kind of yeah. feeling they try to express with the with the banner at the beginning of the game. So yeah. we, if you don't, I mean, it wasn't as uh, angry, maybe I would Sicurus. say. It was yeah, just, yeah. it was just, it wasn't a thank you chant, which is, surprising no because after that celebration right under the curva b you kind of expect curva b to maybe do some generic support chants like saro conte or maybe not saro conte because it's too optimistic of a chant because it says napoli you know become champion again and that's not gonna happen but i expected something like uh i don't know something more generic um for the team it was but it was like that because we were talking a bit last week about this kind of weird, not weird, but a sort of surprising lack of criticism that's directed towards certain aspects of the club, including the owner. And so I quite like how, alas, there's that element of like, yeah, that was a euphoric moment, but it's just the, to paraphrase Jose Barino, lads, it's Salernitana, you know. I think um, 
Now that's good. It's good to have a bit of critical thought, I think. Um, but the big question is, is that did you double Panino? So you had your Panino before the game. Did you have your ignorant Panino after the game too? No, I didn't have a Dinger and Panino after the game. A, a few people told me, oh yeah, now it's time for a Dinger and Panino, but it wasn't true. The game, the game ended at 5 p.m. You don't have dinner at 5 p.m. in Napoli. So no, it wasn't That's time true. for an ignorant panino. I, I went and had a very smart pizza, actually. It was, it was fun. Rafa Rispon tweeted said, pizza. Yeah, yeah, it was an expensive pizza. Well, oh, okay. for, Napoli, for Napoli standards, it was a, an expensive pizza in an expensive area of the city. Because I had, I, again, I was with this friend of mine visiting from, from Helsinki. So I wanted him to try something slightly different. So we went to Vomero and we had a pizza in this up and coming trendy place, trendy pizza place, which I wanted to try because I always see big, big lines outside these pizza places. They, they, they have a few all around, all around the city. I always see big lines. And at this time, you know, what I said, okay, let's try it. So yeah, we actually waited for 40 minutes and we had a, to be honest, a good pizza. Maybe it wasn't worth paying, I don't know how much of it, like eight euros for it, like nine euros. I love which how is, that's expensive. It is. For Navali, it is. But did, yeah. you, did you take the basil off, yeah? Always. I do. I know. I'm sorry. What did you have? Just a margarita? No, I didn't. Have, my friend had a special kind of margarita with ricotta in the, in the crust. And oh. I had a uh sausage and potato pizza i think which nice. i really like which i really like i like I really potato like. on a pizza anyway uh, right, okay. fior, yeah fior di latte sausage and potato it was mm. a bit it was a bit dry a bit dry but it was good it was good i tried a new place in i live, live in south glasgow now and it was the most archetypal like british italian restaurant <laughs> the, the British Red, they just put like butter and cream and everything basically and like it there's a lot of booze um it was all right um but I'm not going to talk to you about pizza from well, they actually you know Paisano is a good place to get a pizza from. anyway okay so we're nearly at the hour mark and we're still talking about food great I know some of you listeners like it when we talk about food um yeah so I think a really interesting game and actually worth going into detail because I think it, in some ways it's a microcosm of exactly what's going on at the club, you know. But nice that we had our, had our little moment of excitement. Do you have a Neapolitan expression of the week that can perhaps crystallize all of this into, into something? I do. I do. I have a phrase of the week which I think is perfect for this period and this, uh, yeah, this uh, January games and this new era we're going through. I just found it so funny that the, the whole motto of this season was a new era. And it was indeed a new era, I would say. Like, they weren't wrong about it. But yeah. I also want to say that I finally bought my Napoli jersey. And it was... This is the first jersey I've bought in 15 years. So I started my later boycott after I bought my jersey in 2008, I think. It was Quagliarella's notice that whenever i come over you're not wearing up-to-date napoli gear and so that's interesting oh because that's because of the red stamp that pisses yeah, you off so I, much yes exactly so i started my later boycott i only bought stuff that didn't have later on it which weren't a lot uh basically just one piece of merchandise and now finally i i always said like as soon as we get rid of later i'm gonna buy a lot of stuff so finally i bought my jersey i'm gonna buy 
much more stuff. It's just said that, you know, such a historic jersey Crappy belongs season. to such a disappointing season. But what can did you go for blue or white or what? Did you went for blue? I got I got a generic like blue one. And, I've got the I, white one with the with the Vesuvio on it, which I think is really nice. I think it looks great. I could I could buy the one too. I just said it's it's quite expensive, actually. So yeah, I wanted to buy some more things too, but they are so expensive. They've increasing prices so much. Well, shout well, out anyway. to Liam from Glasgow Napoli for sorting me out that that kit. Cheers, Liam. Thank you, we Liam. We need to sort out our next our next meet for Glasgow Napoli, but we're talking about maybe Champions League for, for gathering together somewhere. But um, fresh Scotland or Glasgow, do drop me a line on Twitter if you want to join. Anyway, right, we've got to wrap this up. Otherwise, well, I don't know. There's no threats, but you know what I mean. Um, <laughs> yeah, just make someone up. Yeah, make some something yeah, up. Otherwise, someone will come in and slap me around the face. Oh, that's um, I'm incentivized not to wrap this up now. Then, uh, um, go on yes. then. What's the expression? The expression of the week is male ben afina ben. Now we have a rhyme this week. I say it again. Mal e ben afina ben. Which I think you can kind of tell what it means because it's similar in Italian, which is male bene termina, no? La fine viene, I would say, uh, in Italian, which means that it, it translates as bad and good, the end will come, let's say. You know, this is a very Ooh. generic, very like generic. It translation of it it's just that you know it's a way to put things in perspective uh you know it's i think it's it's interesting because the the saying doesn't just it does it's not just about bad times being over it's also about good times being over and that's kind of what we experienced i mean it's sadly what we experienced with the end of last season and the start of this season we had very times and unfortunately now they're over but we are now experiencing bad times and there will be over too soon, even though we don't really have any, you know, solution at the horizon right now. We, yeah, we... Well, Conte, apparently, according to you, mate. Uh, well, I mean, it's not nothing, nothing substantial going on right now when it comes to, when it comes to, you know, these bad times getting solved and being over. Even this transfer market in January is very bad right now. You know, it's not over, but it's, so far it's been... I'm not ready. So let's wait till they've signed and then we can complain about yeah. it. Um, Quite disappointing. Right, okay. Well, well it, it was great to see you one week after we last did it. We got another good amount of content out, a good good hour-long chat, and um, off for the Supercopper. Yes. Mm. Good times. Good times. <laughs> I'm very let's worried about this. Um, all right, then. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. Come and find us on the old Twitter or whatever it's called these days at Shadow of Suvio. I'm at Henry Balcalcio. What's your handle again, Michele? You can find me on Twitter, X, Michele GNT, and, and Napoli Tickets. Two different accounts. Yeah, and Michele GNT really needs some fun. It's embarrassing, Michele. You know? I, know, I know, I know, I know, I know. I don't oh, know what so to share. More. What do you want me to share? Should I share my lunches and my dinners? I don't know. Like, I don't think it's I mean, interesting. I would say to most people, don't, but you live in Naples. So, like, yeah. Um, yeah anyway, all right then. Well, thanks a lot, everyone. And this is part of the Far From Vesuvius Network at Far From Vesuvius. And grazie mille uh, to Rafa for his production. So, great. Long may we continue these regular pods. And uh, in the meantime, forza Napoli. Same. Same.